Why did God allow 2020 to happen? And where was God in the midst of this? This year. This year, especially, I've been looking back into the past for times that were simpler, maybe diving into a little bit of nostalgia. This year, I've been thinking about Christmas traditions. Now, actually, it wasn't until I married my wife that I realized that my family growing up really didn't have too many traditions. Christmas Day, we would just come downstairs and open presents, and that was it. And you could say, I guess, opening presents is probably a tradition, but we didn't have any, like, birth order or anything else. We would just open presents. But as I was thinking, I remembered, actually, that there was one thing that was a tradition. My Uncle Ricky, every year, would buy us this huge jar of peanuts. Seriously, peanuts. I don't even know why he did it, but every one of us got a jar of peanuts. And actually... My dad would get two jars for some reason. Now, back then, I kind of rolled my eyes at this. And I remember thinking, you know, peanuts are great, and these are good peanuts, but I think I would probably prefer a toy or maybe even some cash to buy something with. But we got these peanuts. Now, I look back on that, and I'm grateful because I realized that that was one thing that was reliable every Christmas. It was reliable that we would get this jar of peanuts from my Uncle Ricky. There's been nothing reliable about Christmas this year. I'm guessing that if you're watching, you probably have something about your Christmas this year that's different. Maybe there's someone that you love that's not in your home with you this past Christmas. Even just because of precautions, you had to keep them away. Maybe you weren't able to go all out on Christmas presents like you might have been in years past. Maybe it's even just the shroud of 2020, like a wet blanket over the Christmas festivities. Your Christmas might have been hard. 2020 was hard. Looking back over this year and remembering murder hornets, um, Kobe Bryant died. Incredible racial tension. A political season like never before, and a worldwide pandemic on top of that. 2020 was hard. And as we have been in a series about Christmas, we have asked and said that Christmas was not what we expected. Jesus wasn't who we expected. And 2020 wasn't what we expected. And as we look back on this year, I bet a lot of us are asking the question, why? Why did God allow 2020 to happen? And where was God in the midst of this? So that's what I'm going to do with you right now. I want to process 2020 with you. And I think one of the best ways to process 2020 is going to be with Scripture. In particular, in Scripture, I want to look at the stories of Jesus, one story in particular. Because when we look at Jesus, we see God. This is the Christmas miracle, after all. Jesus, we believe, is God, right? God became man. He became even a little child and grew up. And remember, this is the same God of the Old Testament. This is the God who was in the thunder and lightning on top of Mount Sinai, the God who parted the Red Sea. And we believe that when we see Jesus, we see that God. So let's look at a story of how Jesus enters into tragedy. And I hope that in that we learn how to understand God in 2020 and how to process it. So if you're, you've got your Bible or you can read along in the screen, we're going to be looking at John chapter 11. This is the story of a man named Lazarus. Beginning in verse 1, it says this, 
Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, This illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Let's just start there. That's incredibly confusing to me. You can tell that John, the author of this gospel, is making a point to say that Jesus loved Lazarus, that he loved his family. And those last two verses there says that he loved Lazarus, so when he heard that Lazarus was ill, I'll pause there, because what would you and I do if we heard someone that we loved was ill? Well, we'd run to them, right? We'd, go, we'd make a beeline, we'd do whatever we could to comfort them, to heal them, to fix that issue, to be present with them. And yet here, it says Jesus loved this family, but when he heard the news, he, he held back, he stayed back. What is going on? Is Jesus just disinterested? Even though it says he loves, does he just not care? Is he a sadist? What is going on with Jesus? Now, what's interesting about this is how similar this situation is to ours. As we look back on 2020, we're asking the same thing. What is going on with Jesus? Why did he allow 2020 to happen? And maybe we can even say, if God loves us, if he loves me, why did he allow 2020 to happen? We have our own Lazarus. We have our own situations where we want and hope that God would heal or fix, but he's not there. He's delaying. He's not present. And it may seem like a little bit of doubt if we are to question God, if we are even to raise the question, where were you? Why didn't you show up? But the truth is, that's a question of faith because it assumes something of God. It assumes that God loves, that he's a healer, that he's just, that he's good. So when we raise the question of where were you, Jesus, in 2020, it's a question of faith. And we see actually later on in the story, I'm skipping ahead a little bit, but both Martha and Mary, when they meet Jesus later on, they raise a challenge to him. They both say, if you were here, Jesus, my brother Lazarus wouldn't be dead. That's a challenge. But it's a challenge of faith because they assumed something about Jesus. They assumed his love and that he could fix and heal Lazarus. And that challenge is actually all over Scripture. It's especially in the book of Psalms. You read in Psalms 10, it says, Why, O Lord, do you stand far away? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? In Psalm 13, it says, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? In Psalm 22, the verse that Jesus quotes on the cross, Aloy, Aloy, lama sabachthani. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's the cry of lament. It's the cry of faith. In 2020, I think this is the first thing that we learn about how to process this year from this passage, is that it's okay to question. 
it's okay and even right to say, God, where were you? It's only when our heart grows cold that we don't even raise the question. Because when we assume that God is good, that he loves us, that he wants to heal, that's when we raise the question, why? Of course, there's more, I think, that we can gain from this passage. Jesus does eventually make his way to Lazarus, but by the time he gets to Bethany, Lazarus is four days dead. And the surrounding community has come around Martha and Mary to mourn with them. And it's through them word gets back to the household that Jesus is on his way. Mary stays put, but Martha goes out to see him. And this is the conversation that they have. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, actually, I want to pause there. Because I'm really curious just to speculate on what Martha must have been thinking when she was responding to Jesus. Jesus basically says to her, your brother's going to rise again. Maybe she can't comprehend that. Maybe she can't even hope that that would be true because she responds with with basically a theological platitude. She says, you know, I know, I'm a good Jew. I went to synagogue. I heard Daniel where it says that the saints will rise from the dust. I heard Isaiah where it says that God will swallow up death and wipe every tear from everybody's eyes. I know about the resurrection, Jesus. I get it. And what I think there, that's happening there, is she's deflecting. She's giving Jesus what she thinks is the right answer, this theological platitude. What do I mean by, quote-unquote, the right answer? When I was 11, my dad passed away. We were on a vacation, and he had a massive fatal heart attack. And I remember the night that my family was gathered at the hospital that night, and we were visited by a minister who was speaking to us. And I don't remember a whole lot of what he said, but I remember one thing that he said. He said, I'm sure your dad is in heaven. Now that was, I think, what he thought was the right answer. But to my ears, when he said that, it sounded hollow. I knew that this guy didn't know my dad from Adam. So it sounded rehearsed, well-worn, like what he thought he should have said. The right answer. I think that's what was going on with Martha. She thought she knew what Jesus wanted to hear. She thought she would give the right theological answer. But Jesus was having none of it. So let's continue on as he speaks to her. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? He refocuses her theological platitude to be something personal. He makes it from something that's abstract to be about him. I am the resurrection. I am the life. Standing right in front of you, you can hold me. You can grab me, 
Resurrection isn't just some abstract concept. It's me. And more importantly, at the very end of that, he says, do you believe this? I want to rephrase this because what I think he's really getting at is he's saying, do you trust me? Martha, do you trust me? Do you trust me that I am indeed good, that I am the resurrection and the life? It's not an abstract question. It's a question of relationship. It's a question of a person. When we look at 2020, that's really the question that we're faced with. We ask, why did God allow 2020 to happen? It's not just an abstract question. It's a personal question. It's a question of trust. And underneath is this question, can I trust Jesus? Can I trust God? Thinking back to that hospital waiting room with that minister who was so well-meaning, when he said that to me, when he said that to my family, I'm sure your dad's in heaven, made me angry. All I had grown up with was those radio shows about hellfire and brimstone preachers. And so I knew a lot about hell, and I don't think I knew a lot about Jesus. So when he said that to me, I got angry, and I said to him, no, my dad's in hell. Obviously, that wasn't fair of me, but it was what was on my heart. I was afraid. I was scared. And that's what I knew. And I wish this minister could have taken a page out of Jesus' book. And I wish that instead of telling me that my dad was in heaven, I wish that he said, can you trust Jesus? Can you trust that Jesus is good? Can you trust that Jesus loves your dad? That his judgments are fair and righteous? That he knows your dad's heart more than I can or anyone can? And I wonder if I would have reacted differently. I wonder if I would have learned something about Jesus there. I think this is how we need to approach 2020. I think we need to think about this past year and ask, can I trust Jesus? Can I really believe that he is the resurrection and the life, that he is good and just and fair? There's one more thing I think we can glean from this passage. It might be the most remarkable thing to me. After Martha and Jesus spoke, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, the teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep. There. Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, here it is again, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus I want you to grasp that. Jesus wept. 
Remember, this is Jesus, the face of God revealed. This is Jesus, who is also the God of the Old Testament, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God who carved out of stone the Ten Commandments with his finger. This God here is weeping with Mary. Even though he knows in minutes Lazarus will come walking out of that tomb, he still enters into her pain. One of the deeper, even deeper questions I think that we have about 2020 when we look back on this year is that God even cares. Does God care? Does God care that my Christmas was crummy? Does God care that I lost a loved one, that my job is hard, or that I don't even have a job anymore? Does God care about any of that stuff? Does he care that there's a pandemic? Does he care about our country? And when we see this, when we see that even when he holds the universe in his hand, he weeps with Mary, and he weeps with you and me, the answer is definitively yes. God cares. You know, after my dad died, the night of, I cried. But I didn't really cry after that. I was pretty emotionally withdrawn, didn't feel much. Um, even then, as an 11 year old, I was learning how to deal with life. And what I was learning is that it's safer to just stuff down the emotions and not feel anything. So the day came when we were going to have the funeral. And I remember being in the funeral home, and relatives were coming from out of town. And my Aunt Diana showed up. And this is my Aunt Diana, who I maybe saw her like once or twice a year. She saw me. She made a beeline to me. She knelt down, and she hugged me. And as soon as she hugged me, I just began to weep. I just let go, and I wept, and I wept, and I wept in her arms. And I realize now the reason why I didn't weep any other time, but I wept when she embraced me, is because I knew in that embrace that I was seen and that I was cared for. And what I needed to know in that moment was, does anybody care about me? You know, when we talk about 2020, I could have gone on a number of different approaches about that question. Why did God allow 2020 to happen? I could have come at it from a theological perspective. I could have been an apologist and tried to answer all the hard questions about why does evil happen? But what I felt like we might need, you and I might need right now, is just to answer, even to ask the question. We need the permission to lament. Say, why? Where were you, God? We need to ask the question, can I trust Jesus? Can I believe that he is good? And we need to know that Jesus cares. He weeps with us. He weeps with you and I. So let me pray for us. Jesus, this may have been a hard year for many of us. And in this moment, I pray, Lord, that you would assure us of your presence. Lord, even now, I pray that you would even give 
an embrace to us, that many would feel your embrace, that they would be seen and known. Lord, I pray that if someone's faith is going cold, Lord, that you would awaken their faith, that they would assume that you are a God who loves and demanded of you. Lord, I pray that even whatever has happened in our lives, that we can ask, can I trust Jesus? And affirm, yes, I can. I can trust that he is good, that he has a plan and a purpose. Lord, I pray that we would know and sense that you weep with us, that you care very deeply for what we are going through. Lord, in this moment, be a balm to our souls, be a comfort to us. We ask in Jesus' name, amen.